This is Cam Slater, and you're listening to Dirty Politics. Welcome to the Dirty Politics podcast. Today, Simon and I are going to talk about Bill English and whether or not he'll survive as leader of the National Party. Now, neither of us like Bill that much, mainly because he loses, which is the ultimate sin in politics. But we have to be dispassionate about this, don't we, Simon? Yeah, I mean, Bill is a bloody two-time major loser. He lost in 2002 and basically destroyed the National Party in doing so. And then he managed to lose the negotiation that when the coalition agreement came out, we were looking at it and thinking, what couldn't National agree to here that Labour and New Zealand First had agreed with? And I still can't see much in there that they couldn't agree with. Before we get into whether or not he'll survive, let's just briefly touch, though, on what went wrong. Because you're right, I couldn't see anything in there that National wouldn't have agreed to. And in fact, they probably could have agreed to more than what Labour could deliver based on numbers. To me, it looks like it's a personality issue here and one that National should have identified earlier on rather than leaving it to the last minute. What do you think? Winston is a pretty forgiving guy. I mean, he managed to patch things up with Jim Bolger to do a deal in 96. But at the same time, he does expect a bit of give and take. And I don't necessarily know that National were willing to give him very much at all. And as a consequence, they're in opposition. And there's a whole lot of people who look like their careers are going to be um, ending in opposition rather than going out as a four-term government. Well, just on that, it seems to be a bit of a delusion still within the membership of the National Party that they won the election. But my answer to them is always, well, who's the Prime Minister? Yeah, pretty basic concept that only the absolute moronic members of the National Party could not fail to grasp. So is that contributing to the umming and ahhing that Bill English is going through at the moment as to whether or not he'll stay or whether he'll go? Yeah, and I think that the dignified thing for him to do is to graciously resign. His other option is if he wants to stay is to come back after the holidays with a very detailed plan and a lot of energy and start working out how to get back into government and demonstrating that he can. But the guy is low energy. He's a bit dorky. He's not someone that you think is going to lead you to the promised land. He's sure a fine finance minister, but he doesn't resonate that well with voters. And you can't see National getting into power without a coalition partner, especially if Bill English is leader. There's a lot of talk in the membership that National ran a really good campaign and that Bill English did really well. My impression was that Bill English was trying to be John Key and it didn't come across particularly well. And he isn't John Key, so he couldn't get away with that sort of blokey shtick that John Key used to run. And for that reason, and the fact that they're in opposition now, I don't think they actually did have that good a campaign. No, and campaigns are pretty much set up a long time in advance, and that this one was. But the thing that they didn't appear to have done is spent years wargaming the coalition negotiations. And if they had have done that, they would have realised that Winston was going to be absolutely crucial and they would have had a plan for making Winston feel as if they wanted to be in government with him rather than that they were doing it sort of as a last possible option only because the voting public hadn't given them enough votes to be in government by themselves. Well, and that's the thing too that I saw is that National really only had a plan A and that was to get across the line with existing partners or get across the line by themselves. And 
anybody who's ever studied MMP knows that the second part of that, getting across the line by themselves, was never going to happen, which then meant that they were reliant on Peter Dunn, who showed abject cowardice, the Maori Party, which was causing National all sorts of problems with its voter base, and the Useless Act Party. The thing that I just can't get my head around is that Bill English, the first phone call he made after he became Prime Minister wasn't to Winston Peters asking him around for a whiskey to set up a regular meeting with New Zealand First to discuss where they could work together to set the framework for a future New Zealand First national government. Yeah, and that's the key is that with Bill English and a number of other key senior people in the National Party and also amongst the membership, there's a real hostility towards Winston Peters that's irrational in many cases, totally irrational. Well, it's not only irrational, it's just outright stupid because if National decide that they're going to have no coalition partners, they've a very virtuous, perhaps 45% party that is in perpetual opposition and they've just got to get over themselves and be willing to deal with Winston. Or at least start to build relationships with other people in New Zealand first at the very least. Yeah, and that was one of the comments that came back from New Zealand First was that they didn't really know anyone in National. They knew about five of National's caucus because no one else was willing to sit down and have a beer with them. They just didn't know them. So the future for National, at least in the immediate term, is to try and build a relationship with National. Is that going to happen with Bill English as leader? I can't see it. I think that Winston's made his decision and I don't think that Winston will be in a big hurry to do a deal with Bill English in the future. I think he'll be cunning about it and he would always keep that option open, but just doesn't appear likely after he's sided with Labour after the last coalition negotiations. Given that that's the situation, we've got a problem then with the National Party in that Bill has got two choices. He either needs to retire or the war drums are going to start beating amongst potential challenges. And once that starts, then his leadership's finished anyway. Yeah, and we both know that the war drums are beating. We're not sure that Bill will get beaten in the first challenge, but there's certainly people that are looking at Bill and looking at the senior guys in the party thinking, well, if they're not there, I would be in a much more senior position and have much more ability to do things. And why would I wait around for guys like Stephen Joyce or Jerry Brownlee or Paula Bennett? Why would I wait for those people to go on their terms when all they're doing is getting in my way? With those war drums beating, who are you hearing about? And I've certainly heard that Simon Bridges is putting together a small team at the moment. I've heard Amy Adams is. Are there any others that you've heard are beating those war drums? No, but there'll be others that are thinking that they're in with the show. I think the other person that potentially could step up and would make sense is Paula Bennett. But what we're told is Paula doesn't really care anymore and she's not out there agitating. That doesn't mean that the senior people in the party wouldn't coalesce around to see if they couldn't get her across the line, but she hasn't done the work with the backbenchers. Yeah, I disagree with you on her having the ability to be the leader. But the word, the one name I have heard is Nikki Kays. The people who are promoting her or pushing her are saying, well, she's beaten Jacinda twice in the electorate. But I'm not sure that not turning up to debates is a winning proposition when you're trying to be the leader of a party. You know, the problem for Nikki is that everyone in caucus hates her. I mean, they just outright hate her, so she's not going to get any votes. They don't hate her because she's a bloody limp-wristed left-wing... Soaking wet liberal. Yeah, who was in the wrong party. They don't mind that. National is a broad church ideologically, and people don't tend to fall out over ideology. They fall out over personality. And Nikki Kay trod on everyone she possibly could to get to the top. 
And when she got to cabinet, she was horrible to all the people in the caucus beneath her and was outright contemptuous of them. There's a whole lot of people that would vote for an anyone but Nikki candidate. And as for a winning record, yeah, sure, it's okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't lose Auckland Central at the next election. Well, she does have the unholy alliance with Michelle Bogue as an albatross around her neck as well. Yeah, I don't know that the voting public would really hold that against her. Membership would, though. Yeah, and, you know, well, the membership, it really comes down to what does Caucus think, and Caucus just don't like her, so it wouldn't matter who she had around her. We'd probably have Richie McCall backing her, and the Caucus would still vote against her. Amy Adams has sort of got the same problem as well. She's not well-liked in Caucus. Yeah, and look, she's got a face for radio, and the blink test is really, really important. And this is something that National need to look at. Labor had four leaders in a row, five if you include Helen Clark, that didn't really come across very well on TV. Clark did the work to be able to get to the very top. She had the infrastructure around her. She had the people. She had the networks. So she snaggle-toothed and not very easy on the eye. She managed to do well enough to win that. She was a master manipulator, is how she managed to stay in power for as long as she could. Oh, and great at it. But you sort of wonder whether if Amy Adams has looked at Helen Clark and then looked at Phil Goff or David Shearer or David Cunliffe or Andrew Little and thought, well, if you're not likeable through a TV camera lens, how do you become leader and how do you stay leader? She has failed to do the kind of stuff that Helen Clark did in terms of build the infrastructure around her. She has an upside-down smile. She's just not someone that's that likeable. No. Well, those are the potential challenges that are mentioned most frequently by the media lovies and interested parties. There's probably some others that are lurking there in the background. But that's not really relevant at this point in time while Bill English is sitting there all cosy thinking he's got the numbers. If he wants to retire... I don't think he's done the work to have landed himself a good job. John Key can't help him. He's got no power anymore. All the other people that he built a relationship with or potentially built a relationship are either on the outer or heading on the outer. Malcolm Turnbull, for example, is likely to get challenged early on in the year. Theresa May is shaky. He's not really that pally with Justin Trudeau. There's just nobody who can help him. Well, I think he'd probably be more looking at something like an OECD or IMF or World Bank job, and that is he probably has some exceptional contacts at finance minister level because he was highly regarded as a finance minister. But he's not going to get any support from the US because of the way that New Zealand handled a couple of UN resolutions recently. So that's going to be problematic for him as well. Yeah, there's probably fair few people in the private sector, and I think that he could easily end up going the way of several other former national leaders and cabinet ministers and ending up chairing a Chinese bank. Well, that's a possibility, I guess. So if he doesn't retire, what's going to start the challenges, do you think? When it comes down to it, what starts the challenge will be someone who has naked ambition will see an opportunity to knife Bill, and it's because Bill hasn't come back all fired up and with a clear plan and is able to demonstrate that he's going to take national back into government at the next election. If he can't do that, then he'll be rolled fairly quickly, I would have thought. Well, you raise a really good point there about being able to bring National back into government. The only way that I can see that happening is by swallowing some dead rats and starting to reach across the chasm that exists between National and New Zealand First, because the reality is there is no possibility of a National Green Coalition, despite the fervent attempts of a number of commentators to talk that up. It's just simply not going to happen. They're complete lunatics. Hard left 
almost communists, but hard left socialists at the very least. It's never going to happen. Labour's never going to do a deal with National either, even though a grand coalition would be a possibility with some of the more sensible members of the Labour Party. But the reality is the membership won't tolerate that. So the reality is now there is only New Zealand First from the existing parties in Parliament or this fanciful idea that a new party could be created. But let's just assume that that's not a possibility because you're going to need $5 million, some decent candidates, a decent leader. All of those sorts of things just makes it problematic. So the reality is you're going to have to deal with New Zealand first. And even if you are setting up a new party, it is just senseless not to try and do a deal with New Zealand first because you want to have options. If you don't have options, you're left in a position where you may end up getting 45% and not being in government. That could happen if they're not willing to reach out to New Zealand first. Again and again and again. And consistently over three years and build a rapport with their people. And that's Bill's issue. He's got to demonstrate he can get to 61 seats and become Prime Minister again. You know, it's like, who are his coalition partners? Well, there aren't really any other than New Zealand First. And then the next question is, is how did he fuck up those coalition negotiations? I mean, he just got them wrong. How did he do it? And would he be any better next time? Well, no, I don't think he would. Bill English is the same person he was in 2002. He's the same person he was when he came into Parliament. He is a very able, number-crunching finance minister as long as he doesn't have to make tough decisions. And he had John Key and a capable cabinet that were there to make tough business decisions. All he had to do was then put dollars into columns. And he did that very, very well. And I can't fault him for what he did as finance minister. I'm only talking about his failings as a leader, which he should just shouldn't be there. I think he thinks he's entitled to the position. It's always dangerous because there's a whole lot of other people that want your job and if you're not willing to do the work to beat them down, you're probably going to get knifed. And that's what I'm expecting is at some point, if English doesn't go, is that someone will have a go at him at a leadership challenge. They may not win first time, but he'll be badly damaged. He'll face other challenges before the next election, almost certainly. See, the way he locked in taking over from John Key was that he was in the position to be able to bestow favours upon support. But I know that some of the promises that he gave to people, he never honoured with his cabinet positions. Well, that's just typical in politics. You should never trust anyone that promises you anything. That's right. But he got there on the basis of that. Now, those people are ill-disposed to have him continue as leader because of the broken promises. But Bill's got a similar problem is that he's got a bunch of loyal, almost sycophantic supporters who do have jobs and don't want to give those up. But the reality of the leader of the opposition is you really don't have any jobs or any power or any favours to give anybody. And it's every man for himself. And once the backbench works that out, that it's every man for himself and that Bill English is just but one vote, then that's when the real sound of the knives being sharpened will be heard. Yeah, if the sound isn't being heard already. Well, we know that Simon Bridges is courting numbers right now. We know that. He's gathering support out there. Personally, I think he should give it a crack sooner rather than later because it does two things. One is it signals the National Party is ready for a leadership change. Secondly, even if he doesn't get there, and I don't think he would right now, it at least signals that there's movement around. And thirdly, it debilitates Bill English because he's now going to have to constantly watch for knives in the night. 
But if you're serious about it, you want to get in there as soon as possible. And there's always a chance that Bill might just fold. And the other thing is, is you don't want to be picking up the leadership, you know, a year out from the election with someone with such a sunny disposition as Jacinda, who is comes across well on TV. You want to be challenging her over two years so people can see that you're competent and you try and knock her off her stride by asking her some pretty tough questions. Yeah, because I don't think she's got the answers to tough questions. Having watched the lead up to Christmas time in the house and that, she's still stuck in that bumper sticker mode and there's no depth there. And you want to be running a dual strategy in Parliament of smacking her up real good and hard. By the same token, you also want to be smacking up the complete incompetence ministerial roles that are stuffing up. And that was a fatal error that the Labour opposition made in the first term of National, where they had Hekia Parata on the ropes, and they let her off. She came back, and by the time she left Parliament, she was indestructible. You couldn't get her. And so they missed their targets. And National runs the risk of if they don't actually put some hard hits on some of these incompetent ministers, people like Hipkins, Robertson, Ian Lees Galloway, Twyford especially, they'll get better and then they won't be able to get them. Then incumbency takes over and it becomes very hard to move them. And you don't get them by asking silly political questions. You've got to find something that you can nail them on. And it usually means where they've covered something up and you just hammer hell out of them. And you don't do it in a nasty way. Lockwood Swift got rid of three immigration ministers and was absolutely brilliant at it. But he never raised his voice. He never got emotional. He just asked really tough questions in a really reasonable way. And that's how you get someone like Kelvin Davis. He's under incredible pressure because he's just dead set thick. He was grandstanding, like a lot of Labour ministers now, they were grandstanding when they were in opposition, and there is literally acres and acres and acres of completely false and fanciful statements that can be thrown back in their face. Yeah. And so you just need to do that. And I think that's where we'll see someone who's as dry and boring in personality as Paul Goldsmith absolutely nail someone like Kelvin Davis. Same with Simon O'Connor. There's no dynamic personality there, but they have this ability to laser in. They're never going to be the leader of the party, but they can be an able hitman. And then there's a guy that we both know exceptionally well and have high regard in opposition for, and that's Jamie Lee Ross. The two hours of forensic questioning of Len Brown was just brilliant, and Len ended up slapping himself in the face and just completely losing his composure. He was pushing back hard and he never got anywhere with trying to stop Jamie Lee asking tough questions. Jamie Lee's got a, a hard position at the moment, being the chief whip, and that he has to maintain a kind of impartiality. It's almost a given that the whip is always you know, stuck in the middle, being, you know, can't be a numbers man, can't agitate for something. So he's actually got to do a very, very good job of marshalling the forces within Parliament and making sure that the governing ministers are being put under pressure in the House, and that's where his role comes in hugely. But you're right, he can make a mark there if he keeps his head down and does that. And we know that he's good. We don't know that any of the other national MPs are good because we haven't seen them in action. They haven't been in opposition long enough. But Jamie Lee, we do know he had seven years in opposition on council and knows how to deal with people trying to cover stuff up. And we also know that he's not one of the major leakers. That's something that's going to hold back Todd Muller and Chris Bishop in their aspirations is that they've very quickly developed a reputation as a leaker. So their leadership aspirations hinge on their ability to shut their mouths for a bit. 
Oh, yeah, but I don't see either of them as being credible leaders. I mean, Chris Bishop has really got a face for radio and is widely disliked within caucus. Todd Muller will name the number of bald leaders in politics in one hand. I can't think of any at the moment. No, that's right. So we know that Bill is old and stale. He's not likely to change. He hasn't yet elucidated what his path to victory is to get to 61 seats. He couldn't name a coalition partner to save himself. He did screw up the negotiations. The reality is is that someone's either got to roll him or he's got to shuffle off himself. Yeah, and I think that we probably would be putting money on someone or have a go at rolling him first, but he may just leave gracefully. Well, we both like a good knife fight, so I know what we'll be wanting. Yeah. The other problem that Bill's got, or anyone wanting to challenge, is that his supporters are senior MPs, and he's not going to move them on because he doesn't want to upset his mates. Well, if he moved them on, they'd vote against him. So he doesn't have a whole lot of choice. He's trapped into protecting his mates. But that means that the people that think they're up and comers won't be getting the big promotions they're expecting. Philip Burden in a Fairfax column said he thinks Bill English is safe. David Farrer, our good mate who runs Courier Polling, says that he thinks Bill English is safe. I'm not so sure. I think that there is a high chance of him being rolled this year. I don't think that he will make it through to the end of the year, but it depends on the courage of those who are seeking to challenge. What are your thoughts on that as a final comment? Well, I'm not sure about their courage because they've got to be willing to lose and some of them are just, they like sure things and you know they're going to have to resign their positions and effectively sit on the back bench rather than be on the inside of the shadow cabinet. Well, there is the alternative is that they get a stalking horse set up to take a loss, but that at least starts the wobbles for Bill English. So a smart leadership aspirant would go and get someone like Simon Bridges or Amy Adams to have a crack, hoping that they didn't actually unseat Bill, but at least weaken Bill and destroy that person's own possibilities of being a leader by losing. Yeah, and that's an option, although I think that it's more likely that we'd see a challenge with someone that intends to win. Well, let's hope so, because I can't see National winning with Bill English as leader again, and I can't see National progressing and getting past the rather stale history now that there is on the front bench, unless they replace Bill English. No, I'm I'm in full agreement there. So I guess to summarise, it's a very definite perhaps that Bill English could get rolled inside this year. Yeah, and it's more likely than not. It still might not happen if Bill comes back up for a fight and looks like he's a strong leader and has got a plan to get back into government. It'll be harder. Would you put money on that, Simon, honestly? Oh, not really, because I think <laughs> that if we were running the campaign against him, we'd just constantly ask, Bill, how are you going to get to 61 seats? And Bill wouldn't have an answer. And, you know, it doesn't matter how up for a fight he is, until he can answer that question credibly, he's screwed. Well... I don't think he is going to come back from the holidays reinvigorated with a plan to get to 61 seats. I think that from the talk that I'm hearing around the place from the crusty old buggers in the membership is that they think that they'll just sit and wait for Jacinda Ardern's government to tip over by itself. And I think that's a stupid plan, a flawed plan, and what it is is a plan to fail. Yep. I think it is very much a plan to fail, but I'd expect that that's what National will take as their first option. And I agree with you on that. And let's hope the National Party can actually find a leader that will be able to unseat this government. But to my mind, that leader is going to have to reach across the divide and start having some rapprochement with New Zealand First. Absolutely. 
right thanks simon we will crack into this year with more podcasts coming soon great thank you